I'm Dan Cresso and welcome to the Great British Drafting Show 2019, a Panthers draft podcast, a proud part of the Riot Network powered by All for Carolina. Now this week uh, it's a little bit different because joining me today is a special guest, one we haven't had before, no I'm actually joking, it's Vincent, how are you? I'm alright, yeah, how are you? Yeah, not, not, not too bad. Um, so I'm quite excited this week because we've got uh, interior defensive linemen to look at. Yep. And this is generally quite a strong class for that position group. Yeah, I think this is certainly one of the strengths of the class, if not the strength of the class. Yep. So we have quite a few guys we're excited to talk about. Um, yep. Before we get onto any college prospects, it's probably worth looking over what the Panthers have yeah. um, at those positions and what they might look to improve on. Yeah, so um, the, the starting pair from last year in the 4-3 were, were um, Quan Short and Dontari Poe. And I think for the Panthers, 4-3 snaps, it, it should be expected that those two are back again. Um, and Vernon Butler is back. And although they probably won't exercise his fifth-year option, it, he's almost certainly going to be back next year and can play either sort of the, the one-tech in a in a 4-3 or the 3-tech. He's, he's reasonably flexible in that regard. Um, and then Carl Love is a pending free agent, and it's still not clear whether they bring him back or not, but a lot of that will depend on how they look to use their front. And I think that's the, the big question for the Panthers in terms of interior D-line uh, this year is, is, is how much they're going to play this three-man front that they've talked so much about. Because if they're going to play a three-man front a lot, the one thing they don't have a load of necessarily are sort of natural three techniques. So both Butler and Short can play that, and Short is probably best there. But Butler is probably better as a one-tech, and Poe is really not a three-tech at all. And Carl Love is probably, again, a bit like um, Butler in that he he can play either the three or the one, but he's not a natural three-tech, as it were. So if the Panthers are going to move to more of a three-man front, then the biggest need in the interior D-line is going to be that sort of more sort of natural three tech sort of that undersized uh, defensive tackle um ideally sort of you know uh you talk about aaron donald the sort of that natural three tech so that that it's that kind of role the panthers don't necessarily have someone who fits into um whether they do that in the draft is not clear uh but that that's in terms of needs they have that's very much the main one and i think the other point in terms of the panthers from last season is that whilst the numbers do not look good for their defensive line they were so consistently poor across the board that I think it's it's probably fair to say the issues were beyond the players themselves. So when everyone takes a step back, you've then got to look to coaching and it shouldn't be a surprise that, you know, Ron Vera is now dealing with the defensive play calling and the Panthers fire their D-line coach. So th- this is this is a group that should be better than last year simply by not being hampered by coaching, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, also, just in case anyone isn't aware of what a free tech is or a one tech, um, so defensive line techniques are just numbers given based on where the defensive lineman is aligned relative to the offensive line. So it starts with zero. The zero tech is directly opposite from the center and it increments up. So one technique is uh, slightly on the inside of a guard. Two is directly lined up against the guard. Three slightly outside of a guard. Four slightly inside of a tackle and so on. Um, yeah. So when we're talking about free techs, we mean you know players who would be sandwiched in between a guard and a tackle. Yeah, I, th- I think the big thing for the Panthers is guy- guys who are effectively going to work either over the centre or between the centre and the guard, and guys who are primarily going to work either on the guard or just outside the guard. I think that's probably the 
without yep. you know being really specific about it that's really the biggest distinction and the panthers have far more players who can play inside the guard than guys who can play outside the guard yep. naturally so you've, you you've split um this interior d-line group uh, which yeah. doesn't include edge rushers yeah no, um, in three positions we've got a nose tackle just uh, defensive tackle and free for defensive end yeah um so uh would a, would a nose tackle in this case be um not just like a nose tackle in a in a free forefront but also maybe a, like a one technique in yeah it, 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 it's a bit so like don tari poe is a nose tackle and like starla tulele was possibly described as that as well so that, you know a lot, a lot of four three teams do use these sort of prototypical nose tackles as one techs in their four three defense but yep. they, these are guys who realistically probably going to play zero or one tech and playing them at three tech isn't going to end very well. Yeah, yes, it's it's rare not to have a, a zero or one tech on a field on early downs, especially. Yeah, no, it's it, it's you simply just need someone to take up the space if nothing else. Yep, and you know generally uh, nose tackles, the lowered numbered techniques generally have to be a bit bigger. Maybe yeah. a bit more focused on uh, run stuffing. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're primarily run defenders with with the sort of the higher level valuations being on their ability to then add pass rush to that. But you, you know, there are guys. Um, oh, who's the guy who went from the Jets to the Giants to the the Lions? Whose name I'm blanking on? Um, Harrison. You know, yeah, he he's a highly valuable nose tackle and adds almost nothing as a pass rusher and never has. But his value is in his ability to be a plus run defender. So, yep. you know, th- these guys can be good offering almost no pass rush whatsoever. That's just an added bonus, as it were. Yep. Um, and, and in terms of the, the free techs the Panthers will be looking for, would it be more a sort of penetrating one gap uh, free tech? It's really not clear be- because they're, they're potentially going to move to this more sort of hybrid front. It's 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 really not clear how they plan to use those players. So if it's not beyond the question that they could basically just stick Kwon short as a three tech and a three four, although he is very definitely not a natural fit in that role. Uh, so they, yeah, basically it's not clear at this point and that will only really be clear when we hit the season, but I would, uh, the players they have currently are certainly not penetrators, shall we say. And that if, if, if they want to get to penetrators, they need to go and add penetrators. Okay, should we start talking about some some guys? So let's start with nose tackles. Yeah, should, should, we, should we talk about what we look for in terms of skill set? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah that's good. Um, so obviously you want players to be quick and powerful and play with a good pad level. That kind of works for all three of them. You know, if you play with with those three things, then that that's a certain level of value right there. Um, but in terms of technique you want guys to use their hands effectively to keep blockers off them is the biggest thing, particularly as run defenders. You want to be able to stay in your gap and keep your frame free to allow you to disengage to make tackles. Um, The higher levels of hand usage techniques and the ability to work past just keeping blockers off you to actively working around blockers. So there you're looking to create a sort of lateral leverage um, uh, with your hands or potentially vertical leverage by actually driving the player upwards and then looking to disengage or pulling them forwards to get them off balance and then disengaging. Um, and then you get things like sort of more advanced pass rushing moves, so it's like spin moves and sweet, um, swim moves, but really very few college prospects show those to any kind of developed level. 
but mainly it's the ability to keep blockers off your frame, to stay low, to have the power and the quickness to, to get into gaps and, and to, to, to hold your space in gaps as run defenders and to, to effectively create pushes, pass rushes, and then the hand usage to then either work off those blocks or work around the blockers as pass rushes. Yep, those are, those are definitely good things to look for. I think uh, for teams that might want to look for uh, a two-gapping uh, defensive tackle or defensive end, it's probably not what the Panthers will be looking for. Um, you're also trying to see if a player can uh, keep an offensive lineman uh, at bay by just stretching their arms out and um, ensuring enough separation that they can then read uh, what the, the running back is doing on running yeah. downs and be able to disengage quickly once and they make that read. That that's as much about location as it is about arm length. In that you, you in order in order to be able to do that, you have to not just have long arms, but actually locate yep. them inside the frame of the blocker. Because if you get them out on their shoulders, that then allows the blocker to get closer to you than it would do if it was on their frame, and they can then grab your frame, and you can't then disengage. So, it, it's it's you know there are guys with very long arms who don't use them very well, and there are guys with average arms who use them much better. But if you've got really short arms, that then becomes a problem. Yep, technique is important as our physical gifts yeah should we get into some guys yeah yeah so top of your board for nose tackles uh yep. greg Gaines out of washington yeah i know it's just that some some readers and some listeners might be thinking well this this guy isn't really predicted to go um that high i think he's projected somewhere in the mid rounds um not that that means anything to you obviously no um, but why I, do you have him first? So I have him first because I think he's probably the safest pick. I And I think he offers enough value that... So I'm currently trying to work out exactly where, where my grade is on him. I haven't quite decided whether it's sort of more the late second or early third. Um, and there's definitely not a huge gap between him and the next guy who we'll probably talk about quite a bit as well. Um, I don't think this is a super strong nose tackle draft. This is it's much stronger at that 4-3 defensive tackle and 3-4 defensive end. Um, and whilst I think some of the guys below him probably have higher ceilings than he does, uh, I quite like his ability to gap fit. So if you're looking for uh, someone who can basically just either anchor against the run or if he's soloed gap fit, I think he offers immediate value. Um, with I think I, I I quite liked he did flash hand usage to pass rush at times. Like he's not he's not the most athletic guy, and there are definitely the guys below him, particularly the next two, have higher ceilings than he does. Uh, I think he just has a slightly higher floor than they do, and it's then a matter of how you balance those two things. Um, I I would be surprised if he was the best nose tackle out of this class, but I would. There's no one who I think I would definitely say is going to be better than him, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think he's 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 pretty maxed out as a player just because he, he he's just not as big as the other nose tackles. No, that's probably fair. No, he's, 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 the gap between his floor and his ceiling isn't huge. Yeah. And it's then just about how much you value that floor versus how much you, you potentially say that the guy who I know you quite like, and I, and I do like as well, Dalen Mack, whose yep. who's ceiling is definitely higher, but for whom there are probably more concerns, at least initially, both in terms of his pad level is quite inconsistent at times, and also his hand usage as a pass rusher is very inconsistent. Yep. Uh, yeah, Greg Gaines is uh, awesome pad level. Yeah, Very no. That, I think that's 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 the thing that sort of separates him for me from say guys like Dalen Mack is there are Greg Gaines very very rarely got pushed backwards as a run defender. Like he almost ex- 
always held his point of attack. And if you're a 3-14 that just wants someone to eat up blocks and hold their, their point, he yeah. can do that right now. Whereas there are going to be plays where Dalen Mack goes backwards because he gets his pad level wrong. Yep. But what, what uh, Dalen Mack has that Greg Gaines doesn't is an awesome first step. It is really bonkers. For a guy who weighs 335 pounds, to, for his first step to be that fast is just ridiculous. It is it's really like it, it's his, his ceiling is definitely the highest of these guys. It's then just can he make the most of it? Yep. Um, it's, it's, it, he's a guy that we were trying to come up with uh, comparisons for before the show, and it's really difficult. Yeah, it's, it's very hard. That like Partly because the NFL tends to shy away. The, the only thing with, with both Gaines and Mac is they are both on the shorter side, and the yep. NFL has historically tended to shy away from shorter nose tackles. Like yep. It's going back a bit, but who was the ECU nose tackler we both really liked years and years ago? Was it Tim Terry Williams? Terry Williams, was it? Terry, was Terry, it? Terry, Terry, yeah, Terry, yeah, Terry Williams. And he, he was great, but he was also like six foot, and he never really got a shot in the NFL. But he, he you know, it, it's the same thing. I think there is there is potentially going to be guys who go a little bit on the, a bit later, because the NFL shies away from those 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 shorter nose tackles. Yeah, I think they're, they're both projected to go in the mid-rounds, but I think they yeah. could be decent pickups for teams. Yeah, I think they they offer much better value there than than some of the guys you're going to get at the 3-4 and 4-3s. Yeah, and one slight advantage of being on the shorter side is you have better natural leverage, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that is true. It's I think that's why it's in, not encouraging, but when Mac is high, it, it shows up occasionally as just a discipline thing because he's not... His pad level is good most of the time. When it is bad, it's, it's got to just be a consistency discipline thing. But it is also something that does happen enough that it's not just this odd occasion, if that makes sense. Yep. It'd be interesting to see if he shows up at the, the combine, as in uh, if he gets some good metrics. You'd have thought so. Mm. I don't know whether he'll just be off the... Well, I don't know whether... I'm not sure they'll be off the chart metrics, but they should be... You know, he, he should test well. Yeah, uh, weight-adjusted stuff. yeah. yeah. I remember Vita Vey last year ran something like a five flat with a whilst tearing his hamstring or something. It was just completely bonkers. Yeah. But yeah, yeah no, I, the, I don't think I don't think Dalen Max got the no. long speed. There's a bit of a weird phrase, but that, that Vita Vey has as in he's, no. he's got terrific burst, but I just don't think he's got the frame really to. No, no, he's like, got. He hasn't got long legs or. He's got quite short legs, um, which is possibly why the leverage issues come in at times because the angle difference for him actually isn't that significant. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll see. Okay, I, I, and I think then there, there are another pair we're going to talk about, two or three we're going to talk about quickly. I think in Dontavis Russell, Dexter Lawrence, and Kalen Saunders, who yeah. all offer some interesting value, particularly maybe late on day two. Um, none of whom I think are either as exciting as Max ceiling wise or as consistent as gains floor wise, but but all all three of them are going to get some interest. And Saunders is obviously the small school guy, which is going to create some difficulties in evaluating just because he basically spent most of his time beating up on clearly inferior athletes yep Saunders looks like a, a very good athlete uh, I have questions about his technique his, his hand placement yeah no it, um, it's quite inconsistent at best but then again he went to western Illinois it's yeah I think that's the thing with small school guys is that you expect them to be less developed and you can understand it and it's reasonable the question then becomes about are they going to catch up because at least you know if a guy comes out of a big school with bad technique, it's generally indicated that the issue is with them rather than with their coaching. Not always, but at least sometimes. Yep. Whereas there are guys who come out of Western Illinois, say, or 
some small school you've never heard of and actually develop really quickly because as soon as they get in an NFL weight room with NFL quality position coaches they just immediately fix the couple of flaws they had and they're a lot better so his his range of outcomes is probably the biggest of any of these guys yeah and and definitely the hardest to evaluate because it's just you don't have a a control in terms of what their position is and especially for a position like defensive line where you are matching up against you know a guy one-on-one yeah of how good you look on tape depends on how good the other guy is yeah there are there are guys who just completely beat up on inferior athletes i I mean we're gonna get to a bit but like I don't think that's vast to someone like Rashawn Gary at, 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 at times in that he's just more athletic and therefore it's hard to judge. He was able to get away with being more athletic and sometimes that then hides lack of technique and sometimes it simply means they aren't forced to learn it even though they could and, and then it's about whether that's something they can then pick up later on. Yeah. Um, before we move off uh, away from nose tackles um mm-hmm. i think dexter lawrence and Dontavis russell are going to be really good against the run in the nfl uh they don't have the upside of dale and mackin they're not as quick as he is so passing downs um i don't think they'll be that much of a factor no so uh. i think i think um dexter lawrence just has sheer size and he is a very big man and he's also quite young as well um is that, he, I, I i don't check their ages yeah, he's he, he's quite a young guy, so okay. questions about his technique, you know, it's I think it's it's, more, you you can be a bit more favourable to that. Yeah, I think my only thing with Russell is that his pad level was a bit iffy at times. I, yep. I think he's he's actually I think he's a better pass rusher than Lawrence is. Um, yep. I just think that his pad level creates issues, and I think he's probably yeah he he's he's a He's got a higher ceiling than Lawrence does, even though his flaws would be a bit lower. And I have him a bit higher rated because of that. But it is, it is a bit. Um, yeah. I think it, it, he's, it, you know, as some other guys will talk about, if he can just get his pad level down, it then makes it then makes other things a lot easier as well. Like if your pad level is lower, it makes hand usage easier because it, it narrows it smalls, you know, decreases the size of the target that the blockers have got and all kinds of stuff. So it'll be important for him to work on that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dontavis Russell definitely has the the worst pad level of the guys we've mentioned uh, so far. Yeah. Um, but don't sleep on Dexter Lawrence's absolutely in huge size. I think just the question is, how much does his inability to provide anything right now on passing downs influence his value? Yeah, I think my other thing was watching him was that it didn't even look like he was. It, there are guys who sort of flash bits of pass rushing they just don't quite have it all put together yet or who you know it's it's just a matter of consistency lawrence just offered absolutely nothing as a pass rusher you know it, it, it was you know he just pretty much just stood there and watched the play happen in on some downs so i, th- yeah. I think there if he is going to be a good pass rusher it's it's several steps away if that makes sense yeah i think those kind of plays you see from um pretty much every defensive line prospect just because it's such a uh hard position to be relentless at yeah it's quite tiring that's why they get substituted in and out again like lawrence can't do anything apart from ball rush and his ball rush is okay um but he literally can't do anything else on, on passing downs right now no and to be fair there are guys who do that in the nfl and still have value it's just if you're going to do that you do have to be a very good run defender you can't just be decent and, yeah. and you know, if you're not going to offer anything as a pass rusher, you've got to be a real specialist. And I think that's possibly where his value will lie. Okay. Uh, let's yeah, move, move on, on to, to defensive tackles. Yeah. And number one on your board there with a first round grade as well is Jerry Tillery. Yeah. He's not perfect. 
And there are definitely things he could do better, but he he does a lot of things very well. And the things he does well are also things that are quite valuable in terms of rushing the passer. And um, he creates a lot of negative plays. And the plays where he isn't good, it doesn't tend to lead to massive negative plays from a defensive point of view. So I I, I think, he, you know, the only issue with him, and we'll get to a bit with a couple of other guys as well, is is actually, is is he going to play? Where, where is he to fit best? And, and is, is he a, a 3-4 defensive end or a 4-3 defensive tackle? Um, and I think that's that's a debate that I think teams will have to have. Um, but I, I think his ability to work off blocks in particular as a pass rusher is really impressive. I mean, we've talked about this before, but his game against Stanford was one of the most dominant games I've ever seen by a defensive line prospect. Um, he just caused absolute chaos at least a dozen times. Um, and if a, particularly if a team can find can be really clear about how they plan to use him, and it, you know, talk about the Panthers using a hybrid front. If you're able to use him, say as a, a as a four-three defensive tackle when you look to rush the passer from that, and use him as a three-four end at times, and on running downs maybe even as a four-three defensive end. Like if you can find a way to get him on the field in different packages, I think he has real value. Yeah, um, like his, his his game against Stanford is very difficult to understate. Um, <laughs> it's how so good impressive. he was. Uh, on, on a slight tangent, I also think um, we can overvalue single games when evaluating prospects because that tends to be the thing you think about when you yeah, think yeah. Of the no, no, no. yeah, yeah. I, I can't really like a lot of moments in his other games don't really come to mind, but the, the, the Stanford one is the thing that sticks and I need to be careful of not overvaluing that compared to all of the other games. Yeah. I, I think every game I watched, he was good. I think is is, is it, it, it's. Well, I remember some, you know, it's going back a while, but when Coney Ely was drafted by the Panthers, it was very much a matter of his good games were good and his bad games were bad. Whereas Tillery, it's his bad games are good and his good games are really really good. And I'm not sure he's going to play at that level of the Stanford game every single game or even really much of the time at all. But he was good enough, even if you took. The, even if you took the Stanford game aside and the things he showed in that game and just worked on his other games, I think he's still looking at a borderline first round grade anyway. So I, I don't, I don't think that game was so much better than his other games that I'm concerned that there's a real gap between that and everything else. If that makes sense. Yep. Um, Tillery's a, a taller prospect. He's he's listed at six seven, um, and he's probably yeah, got long arms as well. And he really uses them well. He's, he might be the the best pass rusher in this class uh, from the interior defensive line position. Yeah, he's certainly up there. He's not the guy we're going to get onto in a bit. It's Quinn and Williams, and I don't think he's quite as athletic as Williams is, but he's mm. probably a better technician at this point. Um, I, I, yeah, better technician with the hands. I think he, he certainly he with plays his hands. With worst pad level. Yeah, yeah, he does. I mean, he's a, he, so he, he's two or three inches taller than Williams, and I think that we talk about the things he does badly. The biggest issue for him is just his pad level at times. Not, not again, again. It's not all the time. It's not someone who's constantly playing at a poor pad level. But when you're six foot six, six foot seven, playing on the interior, there are just going to be plays, particularly when he, at times when he was asked to line up as a one tech, where it just it was clear he wasn't in the right position. I think he's he he is he. I think he can play defensive tackle in a four three, but he definitely can't play as a one tech. Would yeah. be my would be my assessment. Um, whereas the guy we're going to talk about next, Christian Wilkins. Um, is probably much more of that natural one tech, shall we say? Yeah. 
I think he can play free tech as well, Christian. Yes, no, I think I think he, I think he can, he's, but I think he is. He's a very polished um, defensive tackle, I think. I think he, he I likes think he far up. He's got very good technique, just good pad level, uh, decent hand usage, but not. He hasn't really got that many pass rushing moves. Doesn't really impress that much in the pass game, but isn't a non-factor. No, I think I think he has potential. I think he is currently a very good run defender, and I think he flashes bits as a pass rusher. But I think that's I think he he I don't think he'll be a bad pass rusher, but I think there's definitely work to do to make him a really good pass rusher. And he does he does flash that hand usage, but it's just it's not it's not as much of a core part of his game as it is with Tillery, say. But I think I think he's his run defense is very good, and he'll be a it's it's he's one of the guys that's quite hard to see busting. He's one of the I think one of the safer prospects in this class. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, one thing I've written on him is more slippery than explosive. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I think I think there are guys who are you know effective in that way in the NFL. So I you know I don't I don't that doesn't really bother me that that much. I think Tillery is as well. I, I you know I think there are some very good guys. Interior. I mean, like talk about Kwan Short for the Panthers. Kwan Short is very definitely slippery, not explosive. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas the next guy we're going to talk about is definitely explosive. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I have no idea where he's actually going to play in the NFL. Whether he can actually hold up as a run defender in a four-three, or whether he is going to have to move to the edge in a three-four. But but Draymond Jones gets off the line quickly, like really, really quickly, and he's his agility and his ability to change direction and he, the way he combines hand usage with quick movements like as a pass rusher he's i'd say he's a top three pass rusher in this class as an interior guy along with tillery and williams i'd say they're the top three it's um, his, his pad level his, his pad level does get a bit high at times and i think that's that's something that teams will have to be aware of but i think it also got better as the season worked on I think the biggest issue with him is just simply at 270 pounds, can he hold up at the point of attack? And if not, can he add 10, 15 pounds and then hold up at the point of attack as a three tech? Or is he going to have to play as a gap penetrator in a three, four? Yeah, I think that's probably his best role. Um, I mean, he, he he is really strong for his listed size. Yeah, it's just his listed size is quite small. Yeah. Um, and he he might have the the worst leverage in this class or one of the worst it uh, it's interesting because I, I, that was i think it was very definitely something that i so i watched him a reasonable amount early on in the season and then didn't really watch him until now to then go back through and write it up um and watching some of his later games it was noticeable that it had definitely got better whether that's um something that's going to continue to get better or whether it's just kind of this is now where it is is obviously something you'd have to work out with workouts and stuff. But I, I think the fact that he showed progress as the season went on, I, I, I was something I found encouraging, if that makes sense. Um, okay. And like, th- th- there are guys um, who are, it, you know, you'd have thought coming out of Ohio State, that was something he would be coached up on. That, that, that was something that would be identified. And if he wasn't getting better, it was because he wasn't able to or just didn't care enough to try. But the fact that he got better suggests that it is something that could either continue to get better or isn't necessarily as bad as I thought it was to start with. Yep. He's also on a younger side uh, yeah, of the prospects in this class. Makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I, 
I think if the Panthers are really set on moving to a three-man front, he might just about make sense. The only thing would be is that if you are going to take him, you probably he's not going to be there in the second round, and I'm not sure I love the value. You know, I think if the Panthers if were to look at Draymond Jones, I think that's someone who you probably trade back to take rather than someone who take a 16 or expect to be there around later. In, yeah. in that way, I'm not sure he's a natural fit for the Panthers just in terms of where their picks are. Yeah, but, the the value is probably greater for other teams than for the Panthers. Yeah, and unless they are, I mean, they have talked a lot about this three-man front. So if that's something they're really going to go for, and then as a three-tech, he would make some sense. But I don't think he's quite good enough to take him the top 20 picks. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, should we next, move on to the next guy? Yeah, the next guy is Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, who I think we disagree on a reasonable amount. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I'm closer to the consensus. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those things where there's one thing he does quite badly, and that puts a real ceiling on his value for me. And it's one of those things where if he if he can probably make faster progress than most other players can, because most other players have a handful of things they have to work on, and it's quite hard to make one sort of quantum leap in in, in quality. Whereas if Simmons gets his pad level fixed, he suddenly becomes a far more consistently good player. Because it's not that it's not good some of the time, it's just that when it's bad, it's really bad. And that there are just too many plays where he's completely ineffective um, because he just gets too high and he's, loses all momentum or yep. just gets blown backwards as, as a run defender. Um, the other thing that came with that is because he's relatively light and quite tall, He's not as extreme as Tillery, say, but he's, what, 6'4", 300, I think is what I've got list- him listed yep. at. When he did get high, his sen- he's also relatively skinny-legged, I think. This is now getting a bit hand-wavy, but I think he's a reason out of his mass is in his upper body rather than his legs. And so then when he did get high, he could just be completely blown out of the way. Like, he he ended up on the floor as a, as a run defender quite a lot just because he... he if he got double teamed, he just ended up getting completely blasted. And again, that's not what his strength is. And he shouldn't be expected to, to, to play as a one tech. He is more of a three tech. But he, there were, there was one game, I think it was Kansas State. We talked about this a bit beforehand, but where he was just getting moved and there was just a gap where he was meant to be on the number of run plays because they just identified him as a weak point, double teamed him and got three or four yards of push out of him every single play. I think he's got more bulk and more strength and you probably give him credit for i think he's he's actually a good player against the run um his his hand usage and the ability to shed blocks is is quite good he does have yes, leverage no. issues but i think um I, I don't see him as a weakness in the in the run game as i do for other players in this class i think yeah i, I don't i don't necessarily think he's it's one of those things where when he for most at least a good chunk of the time he's good like it, it's it's that when he's bad he he if he loses the snap early he doesn't tend to get back into the play if that makes sense so yeah, it, if if he doesn't and there are there are other guys who this is the true for as well but if he doesn't win pretty quickly or if he actively loses the initial bit he's then just done for the play and quite often ends up going backwards as a run defender i think mm. This sort of brings up the question of uh, how much you should uh, value really, really good plays or really, really bad plays, as yeah. opposed to the the kind of mean and the average. Um, because it, I think 
we often have a tendency to um, really kind of react to great plays and really react to, to bad plays and have that yeah, stick in your mind when thinking about a player. No, and I think there is, I mean, it's, 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 it, he's definitely a player that if I was running an NFL team, I'd want to scout a lot to be really sure of where I was on him. And he's not someone who I would be really, really confident that I'd got him completely sussed. But there were, there were enough plays that were significantly bad that I would be hesitant to rate him higher than I have. Though he is also someone, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate for him, he's now blown his ACL and therefore they're not going to be able to do it. But if teams had been able to work him out and had been confident that his pad level was something that, that was kind of, you know, with a bit of NFL coaching and a bit of weight room strength in his legs, he'd be much better. Then I think you suddenly can bump his grade up a lot because it's it's this one concern that you kind of have to fix either way. Yeah. Um, I think comparing him to, to Draymond Jones, I think I think Simmons is better against the run. Um, and I think he can possibly two gap, whereas I think Draymond is 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 going to have the one gap because yeah, he, think, um, yeah. he's not as good as uh, reacting to what's going on. No, I, I think both have the same issue that that if they're asked to really sort of, you know, hold their own in the run game, they both end up going backwards. I don't. I don't think either. Maybe Simmons less so if he gets his pad level sort of sorted. But they're they're not going to be guys who you're looking to hold up at the point of attack and take on double teams and really be the main focus against the run. They're more. I don't know. I think Jones is definitely a one gap guy. I'm, I I think Simmons would be. It's it, it all comes back to his pad level really for me. And I think I'm not really going to get past that until I see something yeah. that convinces me the other way. But. Yeah, no, it's it was just too easy to move him out of his gap at times, or to make his gap a lot bigger than it should have been. Yep. Yeah, never mind. Um, is there anyone else in terms of the four three guys you want to talk about? Not, not particularly. No. I think yeah, just, I'm not going to talk about them in detail, but I think there there are a few other guys who I think do some nice things. And I think if you're looking for a developmental guy in sort of the third day, there are actually some interesting options. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's very much those top four guys and then a gap and then the rest for the defensive four, three guys. OK, should we talk about three, four defensive ends? Yeah, let's let's do that. Quinn and so, Williams, number one. Yeah. A uh, big surprise there. He is the best prospect I've watched so far in this class, I think. Um, there are some things he needs to work on, and I think... I would be hesitant if I was a 4-3 team about asking him to stack and shed at the point of attack because I think once blockers get hold of him, he's not the best at actually working off blocks. But his ability to penetrate and his ability to sort of... His, his burst and bend and power through gaps to be create disruptive plays both against the pass and the run is really, really impressive. And if you've got a scheme where you just want guys to penetrate and you don't really mind about... Um, them sort of holding gaps laterally then he is extremely value valuable even um yeah I, th- I think he's there's a reasonable gap between him and ed oliver for me just as in terms of his value as a pass rusher but uh yeah no, he's 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 probably the the guy i'm the only guy i've watched so far who i am definitely sure is a first round pick regardless of which class he'd been in if that made sense yeah i think he's um the best guy I've seen so far as well um, should be really good on passing downs, but is also actually good against the run. Uh, his mental yeah. processing at the line of scrimmage is pretty good. Good technique, uh, generally good leverage, um, nice hand usage. 
a young yeah. guy as well. Um, there aren't yeah. that many question marks about him. I don't think he's uh, got the kind of eye-popping athleticism that Ed Oliver does um, or like crazy strength or anything like that, but just very few he's, weaknesses in his game. Uh, bent, some question marks about really where he good. plays. Yeah, I, I, his ability to bend into gaps is really, really good. I, I think that's the thing that really strikes me is just his, 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 his ability to play with nice leverage and actually when, when he does get an advantage, lever, leverage advantage, he, he makes the absolute most of it almost every time. Um, I think for me, I wouldn't be happy playing him as a 4-3 defensive tackle unless I was exclusively asking him to basically one gap and penetrate, which is hard to do in a 4-3 scheme. Uh, just because when you do ask him to two gap, he, he's, his ability to sort of read the play is pretty good, and most of the time he's good. Like he's not, he's definitely not like a liability against run. Don't get me wrong, he's a safe first round pick. But there are the the only real negative plays I watched of him were ones where he was asked to stack and shed and then struggle to work off the block. Yep. But yeah, no, he's he's definitely my top prospect so far. I mean, uh, another guy who's sort of currently projected to go really high along with Quinn and Williams is Ed Oliver. You yeah. have uh, slightly lower. Yeah, I, I he is a really, really good run defender. Like his, he, you know, he 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 definitely can two gap. I think, um, and his ability to use his arms really well to keep blockers away from him. He consistently sort of moves the, the line of scrimmage backwards a yard or two. Uh, he works off blocks incredibly well. He generates consistent negative plays as a run defender. As a run defender, he is really, really excellent, especially for a guy who doesn't weigh 280 pounds. Um, however, as a pass rusher, there are just too many plays where he doesn't really do anything. He doesn't, and again, coming from Houston, maybe this is coaching, but he doesn't really look like he has a plan on a lot of pass rushing snaps. He just kind of runs a bit at his guy and tries to push him and doesn't really do anything. I think he definitely has potential, given his given his sort of burst, bend, and power. He, you know, you'd have thought he should be a very good pass rusher. It's just you don't then see it on tape. Um, and again, as with the guy we talk about after this as well, a huge amount of his value is tied to how much you think he can get better. Because if you think he can live up to his potential, not just as a run defender but as a pass rusher, then he's very much in that mid-first conversation with Quinn Williams. But it's just at the moment he could take a year or two to really become the pass rusher that his athleticism suggests he should be. Yep. But uh, the good thing is that he has got the athleticism that he can actually become a good pass rusher, whereas oh, yeah. someone like Dexter Lawrence probably will never be a good one just because no, he's no. slow. Yeah, no, no. He, he's, his, his ceiling is as high as Williams. I just think his current level of play is a bit below it, even though he's, I think he is definitely a better run defender than Williams is. Not that Williams is bad, but Ed Oliver's yep. run defense is scarily good. Yeah, Ed, so, so Ed Oliver's a, a weird guy when it comes to, to run defense because he's a superb penetrator. Um, and he's, he's got more uh, power than his frame suggests. Like He plays really good leverage, can yeah. pop and move guys, even though he's only like 270 pounds or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but there, there are times where um, the offensive lineman gets uh, his hands on Ed Oliver and just absolutely annihilates him. Yeah, no, no. Like he's if, got if, really good plays against the run and really bad plays, and if, I, he's a very difficult prospect to evaluate because it's very rare for a player to be this unique in terms of their skill set. 
Yeah, no, I think if you can match his pad level, which is really, really hard to do, to be fair. But if you can, the, the couple of times I saw a guard actually get, however, there are going to be plays where the O-linesman manages to match it and then he's just, at 270 pounds, he just goes backwards. Yeah, he's, he's one of the more unique players in this draft class. I think oh, yeah. of, of any draft class I've seen, to be honest. And I'm going to look forward to seeing him play in the NFL and actually figure out you know, how good he becomes, just because there, there are no comparisons for... Oh, no, no, I have no idea who I'd compare him to at all. Yeah. Um, but this is one of the, the things we kind of watch guys for. It's that, that one guy that you haven't seen before. You know, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's definitely interesting. I remember watching him as a freshman at Houston thinking this guy could be really, really good. And he hasn't quite lived up to what he was meant to be. But he's, yeah. oh, he's, he, yeah, no, he's a, he's a high second round pick for me. I mean, he, he's going to, based on how good this draft has been so far, I reckon he'll be in my top 15, 20 prospects. But it, it's, he's, it, yeah, a hard guy to pin down. Yeah, I think he's, uh, I don't want to make predictions about how good he becomes, but I could see him <laughs> becoming like an all pro talent or I could see him becoming a scrub and yeah, it's yeah. just because I I don't really have anything to, to base my opinion of him off against yeah no that makes sense should we talk about Rashawn Gary for a second yeah talk about guys not living up to their potential um <laughs> I think he was the former number one recruit in the country wasn't he yeah I think and he was a, a really good recruit so number one in the in the composite rankings and i think the, the grade they gave him was i think the the maximum one out of one i don't think i've seen that before so it's like yeah, really no, yeah. really hyped recruit and you watch him on tape and the athleticism is definitely there like his comp you know, he's for a guy who's six foot five 290 pounds he's very quick he's got good power it's just there are he looks really raw for a, for a guy who has spent three years at a you know consistently top 10 school he looks really raw um and there are just too many plays where he is completely ineffective and he yep. makes a number of big plays and you know his potential is still really alluring and is going to make him go high but uh, his floor is really quite low and I, yeah, I think very very low I think the other thing is is that whereas some people are talking about him as like a hybrid four three defensive end three four defensive end four three defensive tackle type thing, I think he is at, you know I I I'm pretty certain he can't play as a four three defensive end in the NFL. Like having watched him at Michigan now for a number of games, he he just doesn't have the real you know for a man who weighs 290 pounds, he's very quick. He isn't going to cause problems for a NFL offensive tackle coming around the edge. His his, his burst just isn't quite good enough um, yeah, he, and he lacks flexibility i think yeah actually, that's a really his well, safest position is going to be as a strong side for free defensive end just because he's not going to be a liability against the run possibly uh, that's probably the safest position maybe yeah but, it's but also the one with no upside to it yeah yeah um yeah i, I he's a really odd pro I, I think his bend is the is the thing that concerns me the most actually mm. just because that's that's innate you can't really change that very much but although the only thing would be is that potentially the other thing the other truth is his pad level is quite high quite a lot of the time and there is an issue that if your pad level is high that is going to make your bend high because you just you can't you have to bend from the point really where you're making contact yeah um and he's, he's making contact with his shoulder so yeah, you know, so i think there is the potential that if he gets his pad level down that his bend actually gets better with it and i think this is what i was saying earlier with the other guys that 
bad pad level creates issues at other things that when you fix the pad level those other things just suddenly get better um so i think if, if you can fix his pad level there's a chance he does suddenly get a lot better but he his floor is low it, yep. his yeah he, he's you know last season what was it arden key coming out of lsu was just this massive swing from the heels as a pick and i think rishon gary will be as well in that whoever takes him is taking a massive risk that might pay off spectacularly or might lead to a horrific bust um so yeah. arden key also had off the field things that meant his draft stock fell so um, gary's different in that regard but i think i didn't think he's on or have any issues with him but it, there's just this huge range of outcomes that, that, that are associated with him. Yeah, he's, he's he's currently projected to to go in a first round, and not only that, go top ten, which I just cannot understand. One, I think bit. in this draft class, I could see him going first round, maybe just because it's so weak. Um, but top ten, no, I just and and certainly for the Panthers at sixteen, I just don't I just don't think the value's there. Um, I think if, uh, if if he does go in the first round, which is uh, likely, um, you'll probably get picked by a team that wants to play him inside just because that's where the upside is. Yeah. Yeah, I... I wouldn't bet against him because I think there is enough talent there that if someone finds a way to get it out of him, he'll be a good player. However, there's, there's a lot to work on there. Like, talking about, like, Jeffrey Simmons, say, like... I actually have a slightly higher grade on Gary than I do on Simmons. But Simmons, if he can fix that one thing, suddenly takes this massive jump in value. Whereas for Gary to get better, he has to fix a number of things. Yep. Um, and there, 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 you know, there are plays when he's, his athleticism just allows him to be ridiculously effective. Um, and if a team can find a way to use him and improve him, his ceiling is huge. But yeah, he's a real boom-bust prospect. Yeah, I, I I just can't see him being worth a first round pick, and struggle to see him being worth a second round pick as well. I just think he 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 doesn't have a true position, and yeah, it's plays with very little technique. But you know he is going to kill the combine, um, and he was the the top recruit in the country. So the only thing I would take this, this draft class is really not good. Like uh, but we've said it before, but there are guys who who in most draft classes would not deserve to be in the first round conversation who I wouldn't mind sneaking to the back end of the first round just because it's really hard you know that there are there just aren't that many good prospects this year yeah but the the defensive line class is oh is yeah, actually yeah pretty good and he'll get drafted ahead of quite a few guys I don't think he should get drafted ahead of uh, possibly I, I I must admit I wouldn't be amazed if you get the six or seven first round defensive interior defensive line prospects I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, Simmons' injury has probably killed his chances of that, maybe. But I could see Draymond Jones, Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver, Rashawn Gary, Christian Wilkins, Jerry Tillery, all going in the first round. Yep. And it's hard, given the issues at other positions, it's hard to necessarily criticise that. Yep. Anyway, should we talk quickly about the next couple of guys, and then we'll we'll try and wrap up. Yep. Um, my next guy is Brian... Uh, Byron uh, Cowart from Maryland and mm-hmm. Gerald Willis is pretty close to him as well from Miami and they're both guys who do nice they're both more developmental guys um, who do some nice things um, but also have things they need to work on um, Willis in particular if he can avoid contact is really good but if you block him he just doesn't work off blocks at all as far as I could work out um, I think both have 
real potential, but I, I think they're more sort of third round, late third round picks than anything else. Yeah, I, I, I quite like Willis. Um, I think he's he's got a really nice swim move. He's quite he's, quick. His bend um, is he's really more of a good as well. Undersized free technique, I think. Yeah, I think my, my only thing would be with him is almost a more extreme version of, say, with um, uh, Draymond Jones, where the plays where Willis, like, he did a really good job of avoiding contact, but sometimes he almost, he opted to go backwards in an attempt to avoid contact. It was almost yep. like he was luring the blocker forward so he could then slip the block, and that's fine, but if you find yourself five yards back downfield, the blocker's done his job anyway, because you're, you, you know, if you're making the tackle for a five-yard gain as a run defender, they'll take that. It's a fight, you know, a five-yard run's a good play for an offense. So, you know, at some point he has to be much more physical in how he attacks the run. Would yeah, be my biggest concern. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's got more value in a passing game than in a running game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in, in terms of uh, kind of pass rushing technique, he's he's up there with uh, Tillery and Quinn and Williams. Um, but just okay, no, I wouldn't have him quite that for me. I wouldn't have him quite that high. But he is he is a good pass rusher. Whereas I think Cowart is almost the opposite in that he's a better run defender right now who has the yep. potential to be more of a pass rusher but um yep. i think both of them are quite nice guys and then beyond that there are other guys with athleticism but very little technique would be my way of saying it i think um, yeah i think uh, Reynolds Ren is definitely a guy that fits that description yeah and, and, and i think there are guys like i think slayton from syracuse and and um Arminihu from texas is the same where they're they're guys with potential like high ceilings very low floors and if you think you can work with them, that's great. But I'd be surprised if any of them are impact players next year, shall we say. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this interior defensive line class is really good, I must say. Yep. Certainly compared to the rest of this draft class, it's, it's a real, real strength. There are, I have what, 10 plus top three round grades on the interior of the defensive line. And I, that's way more than I have at almost any other position by a wide margin. Yeah, so so of the other positions we've looked at so far, um, I've kind of been clumping guys into into tiers. I haven't really given the tiers names, but I've got uh, four guys: Quinn and Williams, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Jerry Tillery, and Ed Oliver um, in a tier which we haven't had from any of the position groups thus far. So that's wide receiver, tight end, and linebacker. Yeah, the the only player um, I would say who gets anywhere close to that is uh, Devin White for me. Yeah, for me. Um, I was thinking about uh, Matt Corson as well. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, there might be. Yeah, but 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 it's it's it. There's certainly more guys who are in almost like the tier, the higher echelons of that tier. Say that they're just there are more people who are in the the the, the sort of the elite prospect tier. There's like I think for me Williams and I think possibly Tillery and Oliver's pretty close as well are all in that sort of elite prospect tier that I haven't had anyone from so far in this draft. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a good position. This is one of the ones that makes it sort of fun rather than looking at yeah. 35 terrible receivers. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I, I have enjoyed <laughs> uh, prepping for this episode. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've run a bit over anyway, so we should probably go. Um, in terms of profiles, I'm looking at um, Dalen Mack, Jerry Tillery, and Rashawn Gary. Um, and I think next week we can be talking sort of some combine stuff and our thoughts so far. Um, yep. So yeah, hopefully... You'll listen to us then. As always, you can find us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. And uh, speak to you soon. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.